internet broken? And what are each of you doing to fix it and make it more secure? Having been around for 2016 election, what proportion uh, could we have prevented? Which is, um, you know, a really big question. So, you know, doing our best to help protect our democracies. everyone, welcome to the TechBridge Sweden UK podcast. I'm Natalia Brzezinski. We're here at the beautiful Swedish embassy sitting in the library on a finally sunny day in London and really excited to begin the third in our series for TechBridge Sweden UK. The past two events and podcasts have covered digital health and the role of politics in tech. And I believe that role of politics and policy is a major red thread in what we're trying to do through all the podcasts and will certainly come up in today's discussion, which couldn't be more timely. And that is around cybersecurity. It's almost ironic because the internet as it is today was not designed with security in mind at all. That is a general fact, and the knowledge around it and the fact that it affects not just governments and enterprises, but individual people every day on a very personal basis is something that's not widely understood and not widely accessible. People don't know what a threat it is, and they don't know how to fix it. And that's what we'll be discussing today with some of the actually world's leading entrepreneurs in cybersecurity. Joining us today are four incredible Swedish and British entrepreneurs. We have Lea Tarnowski, the co-founder, president, and COO of Averon, Rickard Carlson, the CEO of Detectify, Jamie Akhtar, CEO and founder of Cybersmart, and Gary Stewart, who runs Telefonica Open Future and Weira UK. On this podcast, we're going to hear from the group of entrepreneurs and VIPs speaking in a quiet dialogue in the library. Then we will hear from the public forum that we are hosting today, talking to all the entrepreneurs and founders on cybersecurity. And finally, you'll also get to hear the voices in our audience. And I'm really excited about that aspect because I think one of the most special things about the TechBridge Sweden UK series and initiative is that it is a really engaged community. And we want to engage that community with an excellent audience that is also at a high level with entrepreneurs and investors innovating the future as well. So we will hear from them too and, and see what advice they have for our community. We're here in the lovely library at the Swedish Embassy in London with our incredible entrepreneurs talking about cybersecurity, which is probably one of the most important topics that we can discuss today right now and one that people don't readily understand, which is why I'm so excited about having these speakers with us. And I want to just kind of take it to a more meta level um, because I think this is a really big issue. Uh, the general fact is, you know, the internet as it is today was not really designed with security in mind. Are you guys worried about where this is heading. Thank you for having us. Pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm Leah Tarnowski. I'm uh, the COO of Averon. Um, and uh, you're absolutely right. Um, Walter Isaacson has written about this, um, saying that the internet is broken. 
And uh, what he meant by that is um, the internet lacks an identity layer. You know, when you make a request, you know exactly where your request, your packet is going to, but you don't necessarily know where it's coming from. So what this means is that anyone can steal someone's credentials and pretend to be them. Um, and most people reuse the same usernames and passwords over and over again, because who can remember? Um, and um, you know that, that lack of an identity layer uh, was set up in the beginning uh, by design. It was designed so anyone can access anything at any time from anywhere, but now that has also become the problem today. Um, so at Avron, we are actually addressing this uh, fundamental issue um, and bringing the identity layer uh, back so you can securely identify yourself as you while protecting your privacy. So hi, my name is Gary Stewart. I'm the director of Wira in the UK, which is Telefonica's accelerator. Um, and I'm not sure I think the internet is broken. I just think that like people basically prioritize short-term over long-term, and that's always going to be the case. I mean, I guess this is where ounce of prevention and a pound of cure came into account a long time ago. And I think that uh, when startups were kind of first dealing with the internet, the idea was who's going to be able to scale to become the category winner. And there are limited resources, and the idea is that we need to run as fast as we can. And there are certain things that we're prioritizing, and usually that's user growth. It's not all of the other stuff. That if we do well, we can think about that later. And I think that's the issue. What happens when a company like, let's say, a Facebook becomes really huge, and then it's pay playing catch up because it wasn't really built to think about security, it was built to scale. And I think that's one of the things that we're seeing with lots of startups. I think of it personally kind of like those cancer uh, pictures on the cigarette packages. You know what I mean? Like you know that certain things are bad for you and that they may catch up with you later. But for the moment, I just want to have a good time at the party. Do you know what I mean? So I think um, that's kind of the way I think that the internet was built. And I'm not sure that that's the internet or people, but I think that's a problem that goes a lot beyond cybersecurity. Hi there. I'm Jamie, co-founder and CEO at Cybersmart. Um, we, we actually help businesses deal with security on the internet. So. Um, one of one of the things that was mentioned is the internet is it's fundamentally built on trust as a network, and there's definitely a catch-up game that's being played. And companies have, have moved all their systems and their processes online, but not necessarily moved their security or or adapted to what's out there. So there's definitely a catch-up that's going on. So I agree with that. Are we ever going to catch up, or are we constantly going to be putting band-aids on a system that's always going to be ahead of us? Um, the internet and digitalization and, and entrepreneurship is all about speed, fast, lightning speed. Things are changing at unprecedented levels. Um, when I think about that, it seems really scary to think, you know, will we ever get ahead? Especially when it just takes one hacker. It just takes one person. So we have a company called Elliptic in our accelerator. We have a partnership with the GCHQ, which is kind of like the NSA, but British. Um, and what they're doing is they're saying that lots of criminals are now using cryptocurrency as a way of, you know, um, de demanding ransoms and kind of committing crimes and stuff like that. And I think what's really interesting about their pitch is that they say it's not that people have changed. It's just that the technology is um, better enabled people to kind of commit the same things that they've always been trying to do. So I think that the question is, there's always been an incentive for people to commit crime. I mean, I think that's the reason why society was created, so it's not something new. The only question is whether uh, technology allows you to scale those criminal activities in the same way that Facebook was able to scale its commercial activities. And I think that's, that's the real difference. So it's not that this is something new, it's just something that's faster because technology enables it to become faster. And are we always going to be playing catch up? I think part of what was interesting about their pitch as well is that as long as there's a financial incentive to commit crime, 
um, the criminals are always going to be one step ahead because they're incentivized to be ahead. Yes, uh, I think I think that's right. And also, you know, technology is moving extremely fast. Um, and at the end of the day, we need to see this is a tool uh, for humans. We need to make you know more human centric. Um, technology, like to your point, it's not the tech; it's it's the people. So how you know how do we disincentivize this? Like you know, m- maybe create alternative opportunities where there is um, uh, a bigger price um, at the end of the rainbow. Um, but tools will keep evolving, um, and you know, all people, the, the 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 good guys and the bad guys, with it. You know, we've seen that you know through history, and my bet is that's going to continue um, as well. Kind of building on the criminal angle, there, definitely a lot of criminals are moving online. It's much easier to commit larger crimes and, and get away with it. And there's, there's going to be a shift towards more advanced criminals. But right now, I'd say the majority of criminals don't need to be that advanced because the systems are so far behind. Like They can pick on the e- easy targets, and there's a lot of them out there. And that's where they're focusing their energy. And right now, they don't need to develop AI, for example, because even just doing the simple stuff, they can get in a lot of systems, as we saw with the NHS attacks last year. That is scary. <laughs> Can you tell me, kind of in the simplest, most accessible terms, what can I do as a private person to keep myself protected? Well, I'll answer that uh, because I have no clue about like technology. I was trained as a lawyer and Thank kind of God. got into yes. tech, you know, later. Um, and when I started getting into all the cybersecurity stuff, they said the simplest thing to do is to just do those um, updates. Do you know what I mean? Because that's if you can do that, like the technology companies are already taking care of a lot of the things and the vulnerabilities that the criminals are using is um, based on the fact that they're assuming that people won't be doing those updates to their technology. So now every single time Apple is like, Gary, there's a new whatever for your iPhone. I'm like, OK, time to do that, because I know that that's how the companies are trying to keep me safe. And a lot of the as Jamie was saying, a lot of the ways that they attack us are just based on very simple vulnerabilities. It's not super complicated. And so we just need to kind of uh have better hygiene. It's like brushing your teeth, they say. Just need to make sure that you brush your teeth every single day if you want to keep them at the end. This is very illuminating, Gary, because I also avoid those updates (laughs) because they're so slow. Okay. (laughs) Leah? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something that we we need to, you know, bring that education um, to the general public and also kids, Um, you know, uh, your tech hygiene in a way, like being aware, you know, how scammers behave, you know, what what are the likely scams, how you keep your data secure, you know, what are all the other things you can do. But, you know, certain things that are relatively easy to do is like, you know, have a second factor, have a third factor, um, you know, to to protect yourself further. you know, have <clears throat> whenever possible, if you can, uh, use a VPN. Do not do not log into public networks. You know, like at the airports and things like that. You know, don't don't do that. Um, um, you know, if you have have a Mac, like have a Find My Mac, other things, so you can sort of remotely disable um, uh, and, and protect your data and, and, and those things. So those will be kind of a few um, relatively easy steps to take. Yeah, it can often be difficult as an individual because we don't necessarily know what the best thing to do is. But yeah, as Gary mentioned, updating is one of the key ones and using a second factor is, is I would say, up there as well. And essentially that allows someone, even with your username and password, to not be able to access your account. And because you have to assume or be slightly paranoid and that at some point your password will get breached somewhere. Um, there's a really good website called haveibeenpwned.com. You can type in your email there and it'll tell you if it's been in any data breaches. So it's a good, a good kind of starting point. Um, and I, the last thing I'd add to that is to use a password manager as well. So use unique passwords for every, every website. There's lots of really good ones out there. Um, I, I think that's a, it, it's a great point. And, and you know, 
also like protect your passwords manager because they, they've also been, been hacked in the past. But something to think about is like, let's say a company gets hacked, right? And all the username and passwords are then available for sale on the dark web. Um, and then, you know, what happens is, you know, the, the hackers will buy these and then try you know, site after site. And when people reuse the same usernames and passwords, if you as a company are relatively secure, but if somebody else got hacked and the people, you know, the end users are using the same usernames and password on your side, so you have to be worried not about only about yourself, but also about everyone else's behavior. I hear the crowd building for our events. We're soon gonna be getting up there in the forum, but I just wanna ask you all quickly, uh, these are big challenges. Are you, optimistic for the internet of the future for our security uh, do you think we'll solve these things or stay on top of them in the coming decades i mean i think that we've been able to kind of figure out how to fly we figured out how the internet works we figured out i mean a lot of stuff that i think is crazy so i have no doubt that we'll be able to figure it out i think my fear is more about artificial intelligence and will the computers figure us out do you know what i mean but um in terms of will we be able to solve some of the immediate challenges i think every generation has said oh my god that looks really difficult and then the next generation solves it so i don't have any doubts about that you're in the elon musk camp around the robots <laughs> yeah we're living in a simulation I'm a scared <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, if you if you work in tech, you have to be glasses half full uh, type person. I think, you know, technology has enabled us to do incredible things. Uh, and I think we'll continue to do so, like, you know, bringing us to outer space, letting us figure out, you know, all sorts of things, whether on the super micro or even on the microbiology level. Um, so I'm super optimistic and I'm really excited what, what the future will bring. Uh, but I just, you know, as long as we remember that it's a tool to benefit us and, and not the, way, the other way around. Yeah, I, I think we definitely see a shift towards more building a web of trust and kind of applications being secure by design and building in privacy by design. We're gonna see that built into more of our core products and that'll be amongst the tech giants as well as the startups that are innovating in this space. So I think the, de the future is definitely bright. I too am an optimist and listening to you guys, it makes me even more so. Uh, so let's get out there. I'm really looking forward to continuing this discussion. I had someone use my image on a fake news report on Reddit claiming that I was a spy meeting with Donald Trump Jr. And then I quickly realized what this is all about and how dangerous and really, really actually horrible it is for one's privacy. How are you thinking about fake news? And I'd, I'd be happy to ask all of you then. Rickard, I know you have an interesting hacking election story as well. So perhaps, Leah, start with you. Yes, thank you. Um, so our mission is keeping you, you know, uh, effortlessly protected while connected. And you know, one, of, one, of, one of the verticals we focus on is fake news. And fake news is an incredibly complex topic, but if I were to kind of break it down into two times two matrix, you kind of have like real identity, fake identity, real news, fake news. So, you know, just some, because something is coming, you know, from an official um, government employee today doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Uh, we don't deal with that. However, we deal with the identity piece. Uh, currently doing a post-mortem with one of the, the big social media companies trying to figure out, you know, had we, had we been around for the 2016 election, what proportion uh, could we have prevented? Um, which is, um, you know, a, re a really big question. So, you know, doing our best to help protect our democracies. Mm -hmm. I guess the challenge, I mean, I, I read an article about it uh, uh, a few weeks ago when, when you're starting to, get, starting, starting to get so actually advanced deep learning AI methods, so you can actually more or less completely fake the video of a person saying something. 
So you can, you can more or less render someone's image on top of any type of content to be saved. So we could actually very easily, in a matter of, you say, a matter of a few minutes, render a statement from the ambassador stating to saying that uh, sending out the statement and you're sending it out. And it would be no, it would be impossible to actually tell them the difference and the quality because it would think, everybody would see it's you, it looks like you, it speaks like you, it's your voice. How would you then, I guess, how would that understand it? And I guess, yeah, then, it's a, then you need to know where's the source of this information. I guess the only thing I would say is that I think that fake news doesn't necessarily need technology. It's just that technology can be a platform for scaling it. And I know we're not supposed to get too political, but if we look, for example, in the US, um, there's a lot of fake news that's happening that's not necessarily happening on Facebook. It's just happening in press conferences or um, you know, from official government actors. So I think, again, it's kind of, we can kind of try and blame everything on technology, but technology is just an enabler of behaviors that people can practice offline as well. I mean, that's a fascinating point, and I, as preparing for this, I read an MIT study that was in the New York Times actually saying that fake and negative news spreads much faster mm. on Twitter. Like, people are looking for it, and they enjoy it. We were sitting before this, and I asked you some advice, um, and I think everything you said not to do, I do all the time. <laughs> um, but part of it is just, it's, it's not easy to keep yourself secure. Uh, can you each speak to kind of your view on the future forecast, are you optimistic about it? And perhaps one piece of everyday advice. So that's four questions for you. <laughs> um, so sure, so um, absolutely, this, this has always been the case, kind of um, convenience versus security. And historically, you've been able to like, you know, add more security, but you make it more and more inconvenient for people. Then what happens is everybody turns it off, which defeats the purpose. So, you know, we've taken that and we actually thought about how do we turn this you know, um, long-standing assumption that this is odds on its head. And what we went and did is we, we created our technology which requires actually zero effort by the users. So the end user doesn't have to do anything. There's nothing to install, there's nothing to download, there are no apps, there are no codes, nothing. Because we think like the only way to actually fully protect people um, is to make it seamless. Um, so that's very much something we think about. Uh, we want to make the technology as effortless as possible and as secure as possible. Um, in terms of um, everyday uh, advice, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, I, I'll let you speak to your points, which are great, uh, but also add factors, you know, have your fingerprints, have second factors, you know, do not, um, do not log into public networks. Um, well, you, you said know. airports and hotels, and that's like I my mean, life. Where do you? Network, yeah, well, you know, have, have your own, you know, <laughs> use a VPN, like other things, and then, you know, there are some, some other great points here that are, that are in addition, but there's, there are a lot of things you can do with relatively small effort that go a long way. Um, because hackers, they're always trying to find the weakest link and the easiest, um, the easiest way, so don't, don't be that person. I'd say like two of the big kind of principles that are guiding a lot of development now is privacy by design and security by design. Security by design is building a product in a way that is, in, is inherently secure and it's hard for the user to make it unsecure. So a good example is, is Google's Chrome browser. So you never have to update it because it just updates itself. You restart your computer, restart the browser and it's automatically updated. So we're seeing more principles like that baked into the services and products we use and I think that's really good. The second element, privacy by design, and this has kind of been driven a lot by the legislation, as I'm sure you're all aware, next month is, is a big shift across the whole of Europe, and it's, it's building those privacy principles so people, uh, citizens can exercise their rights to access their data, to, to delete it, to edit it when they need to. So I think those are two big shifts. 
in terms of what we do, we make it as simple as possible for businesses to, to check, secure, and maintain compliance within their organization. And we actually have a philosophy called CHOW, which is continuous, integrated, automated, and objective. And this is kind of a guiding principle for us. And we believe that we can't scale security people, compliance people in the future. There's just not enough uh, expertise out there. So you have to use smart software in order to do this real time, 24-7, to keep ahead of what's going on there. And finally, on, on the individuals, what you can do, I'd say my number one tip um, that's not two-factor is use a password manager. So use a different password for every website, make it a secure one, and one that you don't even know your password managers know. But make it, make it a good password manager. Like one password, for example, has two-factor <laughs> for your manager. Because <laughs> if your password manager gets hacked, then <laughs> it's a big problem. So um, that's, that's my one tip as a, as a user. So I would say that for me, it was really interesting when we started um, screening startups at the GCHQ. They would always say that if a startup says it's going to do too much, then they don't believe it. And if a startup says that it's unhackable or that it solves all of the problem, they don't believe it. So I think it's almost kind of like the question we asked before. Is there a way to prevent terrorism nowadays? No, there's not. Can you kind of minimize it and kind of uh, you know, try and, and limit it? Yes. And I think it's the same thing with cybersecurity. The GCHQ stance is that they by themselves won't be able to solve or prevent all of the attacks. That's the whole reason that they're reaching out to startups. They're saying that we need to kind of expand uh, the scope of who exactly is involved in the process, and that is going to be an effort that's going to require startups, government, and individuals as well to kind, of, um, to kind of improve their behaviors. But with all of that being said, you're never going to be able to prevent all of the attacks because the attackers simply have too many incentives to attack um, if there's enough money at stake. We cannot trust the end users to actually start doing the right things because it will be way too complicated. And I mean, we daily interact with the, the people actually building these products because I mean, our customers is the people building the stuff that you are using in your phone and your, and, your, and your computer. And we see if they don't really understand how to build safe things, how can they, they build safe products for you to use? And then if for you, how, how will you figure out if this is safe or not? So I'm a bit, maybe a bit more pessimistic that this is actually work because people are pushing things and adding new, new code and new functionality and new features all the time because everybody, that's what people are screaming for. Uh, so that we need to educate actually the people that are building and providing the technology platforms for all the end users because we cannot expect people to do to use, to, to try to evaluate the security of the things that they use. Um, and I mean, as a personal advice, uh, we often talk to other startups and many people just, just, they just add things because it seems convenient. Maybe take another question and think, okay, do I really need this Chrome plugin that's spying on me? Or should I actually download this app? Do I need this service once more? Uh, to actually take a second thinking, okay, what am what I actually providing to them? And what do they need from me? But I mean, Rickard, is this, is this the new normal then? I mean, we talk about chaos and instability and politics as the new normal. Is this fear and instability and threat, is this how it's going to be now? You know, in the time of the internet of everything, everything's digitally connected. Uh, are we always going to be kind of putting out fires and playing catch up? There, there was a, I had a conversation with uh, Mikko Hypponen, and, and he has been part of founding, part with F, the F-Secure story for a long time. Um, and if, this is a slightly longer story, so, but it, I think it will prove a point um, that uh, F-Secure as a company, they first actually built a CRM system. Because they never, and they had the cybersecurity consulting on the side, and they used the money that they did for cybersecurity consulting to actually build the CRM system. Because they said, yeah, but we really don't trust, really would like to put in money in the cyber because that's never going to be a big thing. Uh, so they put all the money and fueled it into the CRM system. And why they felt about the cybersecurity, and if, if they haven't done this way in the 
or late 90s and the early 20s, they most likely been a much bigger company by now. But what they felt was back in the days uh, before Windows NT, uh, there was a, then there was a big massive, I think, cyber companies who were selling what software called WinFax. Was was one of it was a billion dollar company selling fax software for, for for Windows, and then one day Microsoft came out with Windows NT and was fax fax software was included, and then this company just died, um, and F Secure then Mick Rippon and then Risto Silasma then by that said that yeah most likely Microsoft will fix security so we will not invest in it, and that was 20 years ago, um, and I guess the world has changed since then and. And also what we see now, the, the security issues that were in PHP is now coming in from a technical point of view. It's now coming in Ruby instead because people are finding something new or in, in Angular. So the stuff that was solved 10 years ago in some software language is actually popping up the same issues as popping up now again 10 years because developers have found a new way of coding and building things. So I'm actually, I don't think we're actually going to fix it. Do all of you agree? I mean, are we going to play catch up? What do we do? do I mean, can we scrap this and start over? What, what do you do? But I think it's kind of the point we made before. It's like saying, are we ever going to be able to stop crime? Are we ever going to be able to stop people killing each other? And the answer is no. You just figure out how you can minimize it and how you can create rules and order to kind of, um, you know, to mitigate the kind of harms and the likelihood of it happening. So I think that we can be completely like um, optimistic. I think, but it'd be kind of not optimistic, it'd be unrealistic and say, this is going to stop or someone's going to be able to stop it. No, we've never been, been able to stop any of these crime, criminal activities throughout history, so why would we be able to do it now? It's just kind of now on a digital platform, and maybe that means it can scale a lot more quickly and it's a lot more visible, but it's always been there and I think it always will be. Old behavior and new tools. Leah or, or Jamie? Well, I, I definitely agree with Gary that like, there's no such thing as absolute security, but um, take a slightly more positive view. <laughs> <laughs> Good, thank you. That, um, I, I feel like we're <laughs> moving forward, we can definitely, as, as, as a nation, as, as tech, large tech giants and tech startups, we can definitely start, start baking more of this stuff into our products and start becoming more security conscious. Um, whereas, but one of the big risk areas I would say I'm, I'm more pessimistic about is IoT. And that, that itself, because it's people just literally getting a Raspberry Pi, downloading some software and building something and maybe selling it on Kickstarter. And there's a, there's a huge, it's thousands of millions of people that are doing this right now. And that kind of software gets shipped to people, it gets in their homes, it gets in their offices. And those can be used as, as a gateway for hackers as well. So there was a, a casino in Vegas, I believe, got hacked through their fish tank. Yeah, and aquarium. Like internet connected fish tank. And they actually hacked into the casino via their fish tank. So um, oh IoT, God. I think, is still a, a gray area. And I think there's maybe seven or so standards, like one's backed by Google, one's by Microsoft, one's by Apple, and they're trying to establish a standard, but I think that needs to come quicker, um, and maybe government needs to step in a little bit when it comes to, to this kind of really, really fast-moving stuff. This is, this is getting, giving a whole new meaning to phishing attacks. <laughs> exactly, no pun intended. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. That was such a fascinating and informative panel. I think our guests will walk away with a lot to think about and a lot of great advice on their own security. And speaking of our audience, one of the things that's really important to us is that this series is about a community, the podcast community and the community we're trying to cultivate here in London and making sure they're engaged and helping us build this series round with momentum. And so we always like to engage them in these topics. We caught up with some of our guests toward the end of the forum and we asked them two questions. What advice would they give startups in the business? And how is the market evolving? 
So my name's Tom Green, uh, I'm an EVP at Averon, I lead strategy and product for the company. The first thing to say is that hacking has been massively on the rise, so there's been a lot of headlines recently, a lot of sensationalism, but the truth is that hacking is actually doubling roughly every two years at the moment, so it's kind of, kind of the Moore's law but in a bad way. Um, so the industry is really growing very rapidly as a result, and the way I see it evolving um, is uh, I think companies are going, a lot of companies are building their own cybersecurity solutions today. and have, So you've got thousands and thousands of companies and tens of thousands of developers all over the world creating their own solutions, their own patchwork to try to secure their companies. And I think what you're going to see is those companies starting to rely more on external solutions and on ultimately a smaller and smaller number of external solutions and global standards that are really the only way that we can end up with a truly secure internet. A great example of an external solution is one that we're working on uh, as part of a consortium uh, with a number of other players, including including the World Economic Forum, which is which is designed to address the fact that the internet was fundamentally designed for anonymity. So you don't know where an internet packet came from, and all the cybersecurity solutions that exist are all about trying to kind of patch that up. And so what we're working on is a global standard that would actually add an identity layer into the internet so the packets that are coming from a computer are indelibly are indelibly sort of addressed with a from address so you can see where they're from and so that means that that makes it a lot harder to hack into that. I'm Nick Coleman, I'm the global head of cybersecurity intelligence at IBM. For a startup who's trying to get into cyber, who's in cyber, it's a global market. You know, there's lots of energy, there's lots of companies, they're all around the world. So focus, focus, focus. Get the best people you can inside your company, on your advisory board, get, bring the best and get them to challenge you and to do that. Focus on where you're going to come. Fewer customers, but more deeper relationships, trying to figure that out. And then focus on what makes you different. You know, everybody has an edge and a, and a differential and really focus on that. So focus on people, focus on market, focus on your differences and, and that's the best way to be successful. We are continuing to see in the cybersecurity market as it evolves, you know, uh, a number of attacks still happening. There's a real need for people to put the basics in place. And so, you know, people who are talking about protection and the basics is, is it, you know, is can continue to evolve as we get into um, more things around intelligence and response. We're also moving this into, for every bit, into a more automated, a more artificial intelligence rich world. So where do I see it going? I see us automating enough, as a number of things to make security better in the hygiene level, and then really understanding the patterns, the unusual patterns that we really have to focus on. So to really focus on the high threat, the really significant threats, disrupt the basics, focus on the big with this artificial intelligence-led world. I'm Ben Braben, I'm head of Level 39, which is London's largest cluster of cybersecurity companies based in Canary Wharf in the heart of London's financial services district. So cybersecurity in the UK is evolving in an interesting way. We're seeing very rapid growth in demand from financial services businesses. It's racing up their agenda to make sure that they are secure against a spectrum of cybersecurity threats. Uh, and these decisions that were previously left at relatively junior people within organizations are now being taken very seriously at board level. Uh, and as a result of that, the nature of demand is changing. Organizations like the 30 or so cybersecurity companies based in level 39 are increasingly hunting as a coordinated pack 
they're providing a spectrum of capability to respond agilely to a spectrum of threat. Uh, they work collectively, collaboratively, and at the same time competitively. Uh, and what that does is it drives performance of individual teams and critically makes sure there is a wide array of services available to organizations looking for ways to respond to the threats they face. Ambassador, thank you again for hosting us. That was such a cool, riveting event. Um, I actually learned so much, and I learned that I'm doing everything wrong around cybersecurity, and I'm sure I'm hacked on every which way possible. So I'm going to do several things, which is get a password manager, stop logging into public Wi-Fi networks, and update my iPhone, which I am very slow at doing. So that's what I learned at the most basic level. What stood out to you? I'm afraid I'm, there are a number of these things I should also do, uh, and there were a number of good pieces of advice there, and both for me personally and one or two things I'd like to check at the embassy as well. Um, but what I liked with the discussion was that it was a combination of uh, sort of expert, it was an expert conversation between startup people in the cybersecurity field who spoke with each other. And there was also a, combination, a conversation between those of us who are not so deep into this world, asking these experts about how to, how to relate and how to talk about, about cybersecurity. And I think that's quite important because I think one thing that is absolutely sure, it is that cybersecurity is going to become uh, a much more important part of, of our lives. I think it was so important to, you know, lay on a few of the speakers talked about tech hygiene. You know, I, I even thought of my daughter, like how do we each begin to have a hygiene program like brushing your teeth around tech and cybersecurity? So I think what you're saying is is absolutely brilliant. I mean, they did it so well to taking extremely complex issues and making them accessible. And I think in this digital age, we have to do that on so many levels, but I think cybersecurity may be kind of the most imminent one. So it was really eye-opening for me, and I could see kind of lights going on in people's heads in the audience, too, which was really fun to watch. But, I mean, one thing I also take away, which is uh, it's a challenge for, I suppose, both the UK and Sweden in this respect, is that the dominance of the US in this particular field. It would, of course, be true in many startup tech fields, but perhaps in cybersecurity more so than in other areas. And, and um, I suppose it means that we have a bit of homework to do on the European side. I think you have some homework, but I think... It's such a testament to your leadership and what this embassy is doing in London, which is being a platform to shine a light on these entrepreneurs. That's what they need to get investment. We're bringing the VC community from London here. And I could see a lot of people connecting just there. So thank you for doing this because I think that's Europe really needs that. As an American who's lived here, I can see that. And that's what your embassy is trying to do. And I think it will have an enormous impact. So thank you again. Thank you. What a fantastic uh, set of speakers and dialogue. It was really riveting and a little bit scary. It was so illuminating. Our audience was so engaged. The speakers were excellent. Thank you, Ambassador Solstrom. Thanks to the Swedish Embassy. And really thank you to the podcast community listening to this one. It is a cool one. And this is the third podcast in our TechBridge Sweden UK series. I'm Natalia Brzezinski, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.